These tools are for you to use. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Marr. I am the host of this show. I'm a comedian. I live in Chicago. I was in a coma. And now I host this podcast. There you go. You're all caught up. My guest on the show this week is Mike Timlin. Mike Timlin is is great. He is a comedian. He is an actor. Uh, he's had a part on Shameless that you may have seen if you watch Shameless. And he lives in New York. He's an old buddy of mine from stand-up in Chicago. And this is actually a crossover event. He has a podcast. Mike Timlin has a podcast called Work Sucks, I Know, about work and people pursuing their dreams and having to work not doing those dreams and all of the interesting uh, things that result from both of those things. And I was on that. The episode is already out. I started re-listening to it, and I really liked it. And in his intro, he also said he feels like he bombed this podcast. So I think it would be great if folks could go over to his podcast, leave a nice little review. Again, work sucks, I know. And say, you know, great show, dude. And honestly, great show on great job on This Is Your Afterlife, too, because he did do a great job. He helped me unwittingly. I think we have a new segment for the show. Uh, you'll, you'll hear that. I asked him what uh, superlatives people would use for him at his funeral. And he's just a lovely guy. He answers questions from the heart. Sometimes the the memories people choose to relive, the coma moments, are kind of non-obvious. He answered the way that I think most of us think we would answer about his wife. He loves his wife. Well, what what do you what do you got against this guy? He loves his wife, okay? Give him give him a break. The man loves his wife, and I for one think that's beautiful, and I think you will think it is beautiful too. As you know, if you have listened to the show before, or if you don't, I am an independent artist. Uh, and by don't, I mean haven't. I hope you, the fact that you are listening means you do listen to the show. Anyway, I'm an independent artist, which means word of mouth is my best promotion. So some of the ways that you can spread the word about the show include just subscribing to it, if you haven't, in your podcast app. You could take 30 seconds to leave a review, or you could just tell one friend in real life who you think would like the show. Also, another way you can support the show is to join my Patreon. I think this show is worth the price of a coffee a month or a meal a month, and those are the levels you can join my Patreon at. If you pay $5, you will get the raw audio of these interviews plus the after show in which I discuss the episodes themselves with fellow comedians Claire Favret and Megan Strickland, who always have lots of questions and commentary. And for $15 at the pigeon level, you can get a shout out on the show like this. Thank you, Fred Fidoa, Susie Carroll, Kurt Chang, and Katie Llewellyn. You can can join that list. So if you've got $5 or $15, please join the Patreon at patreon.com and Make it so I can keep bringing you this show in the form it is in. All that said, if you want to get in touch with me, and I'll pass any any feedback along to Timlin, you can email me at thisisdavemar at gmail.com. Also, if you want to advertise on the show, we, we can talk about that. And that's that's all I've got for intro. So let's 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 kick back and enjoy this episode of This Is Your Afterlife with old Mikey Timlin. I grab your whip and take it back to Chi-Town. When I'm in Chi-Town, I treat it like... I will jump right in and oh, say wow. th- that anyone who... But I'm not going to jump right into my prepared questions. Okay. I'm going to jump right into a follow-up <laughs> question I had from me doing your <laughs> podcast, uh, Work Sucks, I Know, in which you talked about your semi-confidence about not semi-confidence at the moment 
about not having kids. I would say it's full confidence now that we're on your podcast. Oh, okay. I, I didn't. Say. I just didn't want to mischaracterize. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who's going to follow it over. Probably, probably okay. like uh, you know people who are fans of comedy, but not uh, my right. my family. I don't know. They're okay, and they haven't bothered me about it. I should give them more credit. But yeah, it's full confidence. I don't want to have children. <laughs> okay, amazing. Uh, I just didn't want to like you know yeah. commit you. Know, I appreciate that. But the reason you said was this basically like, I'm a nervous person. I'm worried about death and dying all the time. I don't want to put that on a kid. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's it. Um, I don't know. So death and dying, that is a piece of the pie. Every other piece mm-hmm. of that pie is um, an emotional aspect of life. So like, yes, death and dying, that's part of it. But also if I have a kid and I don't know, they're being bullied at school, I can't go to work the next day. That's a big, that's, I'm going to lose my mind. If I have a kid and um, I don't know, they were bullying someone else. I'm going to lose my mind. Like I, life was so hard to navigate the emotional aspects of it that I feel like um, I feel like a bit of a patchwork quilt myself. I don't know if I need to sit there from, you know, a front row seat, not even a front row seat. I'm driving that child. I don't know Mm -hmm. if I need to bring them through that uh, minefield. I basically, I feel too emotional to bring another uh, life into my life. But my question, my follow-up question yeah. is, how do you respond to the common refrain that like having the child is the thing that prepares you for that? It changes you enough to the point where when you have to do those things, you will. Good for you. That's how I respond. Good for you. <laughs> okay. That's great. I'm happy okay. that that did that for you. But for me... <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like that's something that should not be the next step, right? Shouldn't be like, um, well, that's the next step. It should be like the most thought out thing you've ever fucking done. (laughs) Now, that isn't to say like, you you know, you don't, uh, well, I wasn't ready till I had to get ready. I get that. And, you know, everyone's different. But I just feel like I know myself well enough to know like that's probably not, that's not, I shouldn't do that. Well, okay. I'm what also, about this? Sorry, go ahead. No, go I'm ahead. I'm also someone who uh, codependent, right? Okay. I don't think I could not be codependent with a child. I think I would say yes mm-hmm. to as much time as they wanted to spend with me. Um, I think I would – I don't know, man. I just don't see – I don't know. God bless people who do it and can, you know – round out life and it's just integrated seamlessly. I can't, Mm. I don't see it happening for me that way. I think it would be an emotional mess and I would ruin that child's life. The child would be like doing like, you know, whatever that Marcel, the mime, like that child would just be an emotional little buddy. (laughs) What, what is Marcel the mime? Do you know that guy? He's he's, he's one of the most emotional artists uh, in the world. My point is, I like that does any of this make like a, sense to you? It does. No, no, no. It absolutely makes sense. But I also Good. like that if I twist your meaning in a way that I know you don't mean it, yeah. but if I twist it just a little bit, there is a way in which what you are saying is uh, good, for, good for you that uh, you're able to have kids, but- uh, I, I would actually just love my kid too much. I'm not, I'm not able no, to I, do that. No, I, I believe me. I've heard from many people that enough, that's not, I'm not tooting my own horn, but people are like, oh, you'd be the best dad. Oh, you'd be a great dad. And it's like, sure, sure, I, sure. yeah, but I'd also be bad at every fucking other thing. And uh, right, right, I don't right, know right. if someone, you know, uh, oh, my dad was great. He loved me. Total fuck up in life though. <laughs> if does that I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, mind. I have this really needy dad yeah. who um <laughs> he just I, what's his thing? I mean, I guess he what kind of music does he like? Kind of whatever I'm listening yeah, to. I, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's um it's also just we're both comics. We've been on the hunt for something, and so 
financially. Mm-hmm. I'm beyond unstable. Oh, and sure. so it's like it's just not even entering my brain. And then when it does, something kicks in where it's like you'd be a wreck, man. But what? Okay, so the other exception I have to this, yeah. you know, retort is what do you say to? And to be clear, these are not like uh, I'm not committed to having kids. I'm not committed to not having kids. These are just if I were having this conversation with myself, these are the voices that would all be warning, right? And the other response being, "What are you a coward? Like you're yes. not you're not willing. Yes. This is this is life. <laughs> you're not willing to open yourself That's... up to the, the pain and the vulnerability no. of of bringing it. That's a human experience. No. You're are you just afraid? Yes. So you're just saying yes, yes. I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, yes to the coward, yes to afraid, and that's that. I am firm in that, and I will take that label and put it on me. Okay, okay. that's no. Okay, so you cut down to the exact core of what I'm what I couldn't bring myself to say. That's it. Okay. Cowardice. That you're aware that there is, you're, you're fully saying this is an area of life to be lived that I, aside from any issues of money or convenience, I am actively choosing to run away from. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I'll, if it were to occur, that would be the most um, sort of like intense uh, emotional learning I've ever like done. Mm-hmm. I would have to really take some steps to uh, make sure I get this right. Well, it's funny because parents are always like, you can't even understand it until it happens. It changes <laughs> everything. And you're saying like, well then, no, thank you. Yeah. No, uh, no, absolutely not. It changes everything. This is all. Everything's all that I know. A lot of times, I feel like people talk about their experience as if it is the experience, and so that's where the good for you comes in. It's like that's great that that happened for you. I don't. I wouldn't. I don't want to bet on it. I mean, here's the thing that gets me about parents, and it, and I understand the the impulse to generalize. I've I've kind of made it a badge of honor for myself in the last couple years to try never to say I just don't understand. Yeah. Because it's like if I think about it that hard, even some of the worst atrocities, I can I can I, I at least intellectually understand where the person's coming from, yeah. right? So when someone's like you'll just never get it until you're a parent. <laughs> it's like I might not feel it viscerally, but I get yeah, it. Right. I get what you're saying. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. The kid's born and everything changes. Now you have to <laughs> approach the death, the tide of life. Yeah, I get it. Sure, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Paint your hell, a customized hell tailored specifically for you. I don't know the logistics and the scenario in which it happens if I'm like, you know, a ghost trapped in the machine, but I can still see or whatever, but it's people I love not doing well and there's nothing I can do to help. Sure. Uh, That's, I don't mean to, it's a very selfless hell. It is until, you know, like, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's, uh, that's a fucking shitty feeling. And um, if you had to do that for eternity, eh, fuck. <laughs> sure. So it's, it's right. So it's stretched out over time. Is there a specific type of not, I, I realize we could get pretty <laughs> morbid here, but is there, is, is there a specific type of not doing well? Is it like medically, physically? Yeah, is it all of it? Seeing right? someone fail to get their life together? Um, the Alzheimer's, dementia, those both run in my family. Seeing that uh, is brutal and like, you know, depression, whatever, whatever it is, it's, um, that's such a bad for helplessness, I guess. If we had to cut it all down, cut away all the marble, the statue is a statue of helplessness. And it's, you're helpless watching them be helpless. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's all bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, 
it's funny how like I don't think of this show as a particularly dark show, even though I know that that is inaccurate. (laughs) But there are moments like this when if I were to think of follow-up questions, it would just be a ma- like I really don't have follow-up questions because what you've said is so um self-evident <laughs> and and real that those are the moments when I'm like, whew, wow, this is a pretty heavy show. Yeah, right. I guess if it you know, I mean they made fun of it in Family Guy, they make fun of it, they reference it in a lot of different stuff, but the episode of the Twilight Zone where the guy just wants to read and then he's in heaven and he can read as much mm-hmm. as he wants, he breaks his glasses. Yeah. I don't know how I can't think of like a perfect metaphor where that would correlate, but it's like I can, I have the tools to help, and I can't. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Right. Have you had exp- have you had opposite experiences in life of like seeing loved ones suffer and being able to help? Not on the prolonged sort of heavy stuff. There's kind of nothing you can do, but in like small yeah. instances, like, yeah, I've been able to help. And that's, you know, that's, that's the best feeling. <laughs> How, like, what are the ways that you tend to be able to help? I'm always uh, available to talk. And that's gotten away as I've gotten older and my friends don't need me as much in that regard. But I feel like that was definitely the role I played uh, growing up of like, I have a problem. I'll go to him. What do you hope happens when you die? Oh man. I listened to your show and I knew you were going to ask that. And I kind (laughs) of thought about it. And then all of that has left my brain. Um, Oh boy, do I hope it's different. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do I hope happens? I hope everyone's okay. It would really be a bummer if you had to like test your metal again. Oof, yeah. Because all of uh, the metal testing seems unnecessary. <laughs> And by that, you just mean like kind of a look over like your life, like taking an inventory of, okay, do you get to go to heaven? Do you have to go to hell? Is there a point system? I don't think, and I don't believe that at all. Yeah. I think the worst uh, criminal and the best saint are going to the same place um, because they're in the same place now. So that seems like a law of nature. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what it uh, looks like or what I hope it looks like, but I, I just hope um, what everyone's carrying, they get to put down. Is that too abstract? Do you want, I can be no, literal. No, 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 no. It very much like is in line with the thing I told you before we started your podcast, which is you just seem tired. Yeah, I am tired. <laughs> Tired all the time, man. (laughs) I'm tired all of the the fucking time. I think every uh, living being has a knot that they're trying to untie for their entire life. And I hope in the afterlife that that's just one straight piece of string. (laughs) (laughs) Does it like, did you grow up with it? Like, I, this seems like the kind of thing that you, that would have been modeled for you I as a kid. I grew up – no, I grew up culturally Catholic, you could say. My I'm, my dad's Irish. My mom's Italian. So Catholicism was like yeah. a – sort of like a part of our life in quotes. They, I right. think they took me to church to make like their parents happy. I don't think they'd ever admit that to me. But sure. after a certain age, we all just stopped sort of the charade and – the stuff that happened uh, with the priest, as we all know, I think that kind of made my dad be comfortable, like fully closing the book. Mm-hmm. So the model for me was sort of like loose, loose Catholicism. Um, but I don't mean religious model. I mean the carrying the knot model. Yeah, no, I'm was kind that of. A, a, were, did you grow up in a in a metaphorically tired family? 
No, I kind of feel like uh, a weirdo in my family, if we're being honest. Um, you know, I, I think everyone was pretty happy and just like doing their thing. And I was kind of weird. Yeah. So you, so there wasn't a moment like as a kid when you were like the heaviness settled in or it became apparent to you. You just, I know there was, yeah. Really? Yeah, sure. Um, but that just, I mean, that just goes to being emotional. You can, no one's hiding it well. And that's outside sure. of my family. That's the world. That's everywhere. But what were those early moments? Um, okay. Let's, I, I do. I, <laughs> that's so funny. I listen to your show, right? And I know what questions you ask, but I haven't thought about this. I had an early relationship with death, like very early. So it's okay. kind of corny. Um, it's not a real problem, but I'm like deathly allergic to dairy and nuts. Okay. And so I would eat them because I was a kid. And like the only way to get me to stop eating them was to be honest with me at like a young age of like, this will kill you. And it's like, you will not be here anymore. And we don't know where you'll be. So <laughs> you got to quit eating this. So I would go, you know, every, there's food everywhere. So I would think about death like all the time as a kid. And uh, I think when you're- So that worked. It wasn't that you kept pushing the envelope. No, that worked completely. But it also made me a little freak about death at a young age. And yeah. I think uh, that's a pretty heavy knot. And you start thinking about life like different, I guess. It really is, dude. And I haven't tended to see this narrative or I hadn't tended to see this narrative as much as I have recently, but I forget who it was. I was listening to some interview and someone was saying that they think that, you know, all comedians or, or all artists or something uh, were sickly kids. Yeah. <laughs> I was also super sick. <laughs> yeah. But like, I don't love a generalization like that, but, I, but I'm interested in like the truths that those yeah. things reveal. And it, and it, and I had not thought about diabetes as like, as, as formative for it. I, it felt like something I just had to get over. It was yeah. like, I was diagnosed with this thing. It totally changed my day to day, you know, and, and rearranged the ways I needed to see the world to stay alive. And yet I was just like, no, 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 that's not a big deal. Uh, <laughs> you know, and it's only in the, you know, since like going into a fucking coma and even a few years after that of being like, it was really like in the pandemic where I was like, I want to be out in the street, like protesting things. And like, I can't because I'm really afraid that I'll catch COVID and, and die yeah. if that happens. It's a real thing. And and it and it's made me realize like, damn, dude, that really did teach me at an early age. And then I talked to do you know Ariel Elias? No. She's a she's a New York comic. She does she does the like the clubs there and uh and she's great. And she was like really sick as a kid. Um, and it, it is yeah. wild how it fucks you up. Yeah. It sort of, uh, provides the window for you to look out of. I, uh, yeah. I had like horrible asthma as a kid. They thought I had cystic fibrosis when I was born and I didn't, I don't know. I just was real sick with lung stuff and like, um, you know, you catch a wheezing fit and you're already thinking about death. I just, you know, thought about death a lot as a kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in some ways, unless you're born into, unless reincarnation isn't infinite and it only happens once. So you're born into two lives. And then at the end of the second one, you die. It seems like you're, the afterlife you wish for seems pretty possible. Like it's, it's if death is the thing creating the knot, yeah. then being released from an existence in which you die would 
probably untie the knot, right? That is, uh, yeah, right. That is the most interesting one and the one I like the most and the one I think out of everyone who has a theory and sells their theory, meaning like organized religion, Mm -hmm. reincarnation seems like the most realistic to me out of all those uh, fairy tales. (laughs) Oh, dude, I don't... I'm 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 not buying what reincarnation selling at all. I mean either, but if I had to buy, that's what I mean. Like, um, no, I'm, but that's what I mean too. If I had to buy, <laughs> not interested, dude. This whole like, like I want, I would want to get to pick what I come back at. The whole idea that you're reincarnated, but you don't remember anything. It's like that's worthless <laughs> to me. I don't need, I don't need, I, I don't. My whole thing, and I've kind of stopped over the course of the podcast, pretending that I'm coming in with a blank slate yeah, is like, well, is that I don't want to start over with a blank slate is I want to like retain yeah. whatever from this. Does that haunt you at all? The idea of like consciousness disappearing. I hope it does. Really? Yeah. I, I hope yeah. it does. Or at least is something we have no, um, yeah, concept for, you know what I mean? Cause this consciousness, yeah. um, <laughs> it isn't that friendly, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's infinite, but it's also limited. It's, it's just, um, it feels imperfect. <laughs> yeah. And so I would love it if there was either none of it or a perfect one. <laughs> If that makes sense, meaning mm-hmm. it lights out after you die, no consciousness, nothing, or everyone gets to put their knot down. Like, I don't want an in-between, I get my memories and I feel good about my life. I don't want that. Hey, it's Dave. I'm not talking to the guest right now. I just want to let you know, I intentionally construct these episodes to allow my guests to speak as much as possible. But if you enjoy the perspective of mine that does come through in this podcast and you want to hear more from me, please subscribe to my weekly newsletter. It's called Hella Immaculate. There is a link in the show notes that you can click and sign up right away. You can also go to my website, thisisdavemar.com. What you'll get is every week an essay from me and basically a mood board of links, sometimes mutual aid fundraisers and music that I recommend. It's like we're in a conversation and hopefully I'm sharing cool stuff with you. I'm either your cool friend or your slightly anxious friend, probably both. Anyway, if you like hearing from me and you wanna hear more, Subscribe to Hello Immaculate. Thanks. And now back to the conversation. I've never asked someone this on the show. Oh wow. But it's one of the it's one of the things I definitely learned from being eulogized on Facebook when everyone thought I died during my coma. Yeah. And I've also learned it from Unfortunately, and especially with comics, other comics who've died. Um, a- anyone who's part of a scene where people are performers, people are a little selfish, people wh- where where all the human impulses to belong and be a part of something are amped up a little bit. You get superlativized. You get people saying... Oh, Timlin, he was the most, insert something here, of all of us. He, Timlin was the most emotional guy any of us ever, you know, whatever it is. For me, it was, um, it was, uh, you know, he was a little spiky, but he always told the truth, you know, like he was, he would really, he, it's just because he cared so much about being honest, about being about authenticity, you know, like yeah. that was, that was the way in which my life got flattened to, I was most likely to be authentic, you know? Yeah. So what, what do you think that would be for you? What do I think it would be or what do I want what would it pe- to be? 
Well, you can answer both. I'm fine with you answering both. But what do you think people would say? I have no idea, man. I really don't. No, you, no sense? Uh, no. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know this is a podcast and you asked me a question and I'm supposed to answer it. <laughs> But I, it's okay. I it sounds no like you have an answer for what you'd want it to be. Yeah. In the past, um, I'm not sober. I still smoke weed, but I quit mm-hmm. drinking in the past year. I'm coming up on one year. And nice. it feels like sort of, I just told you I learned about boundaries. I'm learning. I'm learning every day. And uh, we talked a little bit off air or on the other air on my podcast about <laughs> like personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. Going forward, it's becoming clear that, you know, my life is mine to build. I really want to be kind. I want to choose to be kind when it's easier to do other things and be other things. Okay. So I'd want, you know, people to say I was kind, but I have no idea what they will say. I don't, I don't know. And, and so what will their examples be? They'll be like, he was kind. For example, I mean, you know, I, so, so it, like I said, it was the role of therapist. I always answered when they called and I was down to talk for hours and hours on other people's mm-hmm. shit. So I hope that counts for something at the funeral. Yeah. He was good. He was good to talk to. Uh, yeah. You know, I'd hope. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's a huge. It's a subtle but huge compliment. It's like when you yeah, start I mean, dating someone. That's the someone. goal of my life, man. That, going forward, that's the big goal of my life is to be that guy. Like, well, and specifically as it applies to conversation, like when you start dating someone, and like, however elevated the the lust, the the butterflies, whatever, like easy to talk to should be like such a whatever the opposite of a red flag a fucking green flag yeah. is like easy to talk to that is like keep going in this direction <laughs> dude like you know what i yeah, mean that's the goal um now hearing you say that i'm thinking i don't know if i came across as kind but i think for sure people could say i wasn't judgmental i i would let people uh, you know, we're comics. We bitch about other comics. That's just part of oh, the yeah. game. And I'd let it go, but I don't think I ever contributed to those conversations that much. And I feel good about that. So, <laughs> see, that would take you down a couple pegs in my book. He, ne- <laughs> he never. Uh, he made me feel judged because anytime I just really went ham on someone, you can he never go. Really you can go ham, that. but to me, and it's. I think it was more instinct as a younger comic, but now. Um, I'm sort of like, yeah, whatever people need to do to, you know, be successful by all means, have fun. Yeah. I'm trying to be less uh, judgmental and more kind for the rest of my life. We'll check in. We'll just do another episode two at yeah. like 60 and we'll see how it went. Okay. But <laughs> honestly, dude, you're, that's a huge vote of confidence in, in my podcast that you, yeah. you know, Hey, I Thank believe you. in you. I'm kind. You're, I'm, it's very kind. <laughs> if you've heard the show, you know that you know what it means when I say I want you to relive one memory. Yeah. But just to be clear, if presented with the 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 choice in the afterlife to isolate one of your memories to fully relive like a room you can step into and out of whenever you want. Um, but you only get one. What memory from your life would you choose? Um, I only get one <laughs> and uh, it would, uh, boy, you're, this is tough to be this uh, <laughs> lame. Uh, the first date with my wife, I, remember every fucking detail of that first date with my wife. And I can't remember much else first so of life. Take me, take me through it. Where, how old are you? Where are you at geographically? We specifically, are, where do you uh, go logistically? 
Yeah, we go to a, I, how old am I? I, like I said, I have a bad memory. I might be 25 or 26. Okay. Um, we go to a coffee shop. I'm upstairs looking out a window. I see her get out of her lift and I'm immediately nervous, which, you know, it doesn't happen. Not that I'm like cool, but like life's not that interesting. You know, I'm sort of cynical. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just like I'm I'm detached enough to not really feel that many, like nothing. We're all skeletons, you know, but I was (laughs) filled with nerves. And then uh, she comes upstairs and (laughs) immediately is like, let's go downstairs. This is weird. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay. And so we go downstairs. what What coffee shop? Uh, Star Lounge in Chicago. Yeah. Wait. It's on Chicago, I think. No, I think it's on. Fuck, dude. It's on. No, it's on wait, Chicago. The, the, dark, the Dark Matter? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. There was like okay. people up there talking and, you know, like moving chairs around. So we're like, let's go downstairs. So we go downstairs and, you know, uh, green raincoat, strawberry on the lining of the raincoat and um her not yeah you. her and she's sort of like teasing me because i have gray hair already in my mid-20s and uh <laughs> we just talk about the places you know mutual places mutual people because chicago is not that big and right we talk about you know where she's from where i'm from and then uh i'm in I, I'm starving and I want food and there's a good place to eat around the corner. So I ask her if she's hungry. She says, yes. And we walk, it's raining. Uh, we go to the place to eat and she was just being nice and she's not hungry and I'm eating by myself. And uh, I eat like <laughs> But a, she wasn't that nice that she ordered a whole meal and picked yeah. at it. <laughs> I eat weird. So she's teasing me about how I eat weird. And uh, I bundle. I bundle weird? my fries. Apparently, I bundle. People, when you eat French fries, do you eat them one at a time? It depends. Sometimes, sometimes not. I I feel like what I've learned from the teasing is people either eat them one at a time or they kind of um, unconsciously just grab a handful. I will grab specific fries and make a bundle that I think will be the best. <laughs> And uh, it's weird, but I do it and uh, I eat fries that way and she's teasing me and uh, I am just eating a bunch of really hot fried chicken and fries and uh, then we leave and uh, hug and then I walk a short walk home and it just felt like I needed to tell someone, you know, like if I could have stopped a stranger on the street to tell them about it i would have so there's something you're experience you know you're you're kind of just recounting it but the way you're recounting it is very um is 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 minimized a bit you're like of course i have to protect myself we're going around sure of course (laughs) uh we're not I'm not delivering any babies right now, dude. You're, you're not in fear of becoming a father in this conversation. Um, the, that experience does make me think that, like, who knows? One day my brain could just switch because my brain, like, switched when I met her. It was just like, holy shit. This is – Switched from what to it. what? I, the same way I never want to have kids. I never wanted to get married. I thought that was, like, not for me. Um, and then it was like, oh, okay. So I'd love to relive that day for sure. How did you guys, how did you even get to the point of being on the date? Like how'd you fucking mutual meet? friend, uh, you know, or Meredith Ketchell. Oh, okay. Yeah. She made a Facebook post and tagged me in it. And then my wife commented on it and, uh, something complimentary. And I had already had a crush on her. So that gave me the courage to be like, can we please see each other in real life? <laughs> and the post was like, uh, someone should go on a date with no, no. Himmler? It was just uh, it was, it's embarrassing. Why are you trying to embarrass me? 
This is the this is the. I mean, I don't want to truly push you, but I want to push you a little bit if you're willing to. Well, I remember it. it because it's tied to my wife, not because I'm an egomaniac. But it was every group chat I'm in devolves into just talking about uh, how nice Timlin is. That's uh, even if you even if it wasn't <laughs> tied to your wife, uh, that's absolutely something I would yeah, and, be banking for and, rainy days. Uh, yeah, and she commented on it, and uh, that was – I needed a say? boost. I have a crush on that boy. She's uh, pretty forward, but I, I mean, think she was that's, kind of being pokey. How had she known – We had uh, – she Seen you at shows? Yeah, she works in media and stuff, and so she'd been to shows and that sort of thing, but we didn't really know each other, know each other. We just yeah. were kind of internet friends. yeah. And I'm not, you know, I never like DM or anything like that. So mm-hmm, it was always mm-hmm. just like in the back of my mind, like would love to get a chance to say hello to this person in person in yeah. real life one day. It's well, and it's, it's, I really like that she was v- vulnerable enough to, to just come out and say that online, but then in person, some of the first moves she's making is busting your balls. Hard. Hard. And I love, love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No one had ever pointed out that I eat fries weird except for like one time when I was a little kid. And so it immediately put me in the headspace of like, I don't know, like childhood. It tapped into something, man. I really... I don't know, but I have a wife well, now. It, in, term, <laughs> in terms of seeing you, though, I mean that is the. I I mean I you must have some of this too. The thing of communicating love to people through busting balls. Yeah, uh, it's it's certainly a common comedian love language. Right. But the the thing there is that you're paying attention. Is yeah. that you're observing so acutely <laughs> that when you're making fun of someone, it's because of something so specific that you're actually saying like, hey, I am so present and care about you so much and see you so clearly that I know how to like actually step on your your shame here. That's such a good well. point, man. I never thought about that. That's such a good point. That's what that's, that's all busting balls is, is. Right? Yeah, man. That's yeah. so good. Yeah. So she's so she's seeing you super acutely, and and connecting to this childhood thing. I mean, it sounds like you were done for. I was done, yeah, pretty much immediately. It was pretty bad, pretty pretty good, pretty good, pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I, that's like, um, you know, it's that's why people write songs. That's why poems exist. It changed my brain for sure. Has she shared with you her memories of that date? Yeah, I thought you were a weird little fry eater. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But was it like, was it as magical for her as it was? You'd have to ask her. You'd have to ask her. You don't have any clue if it was. I I wouldn't deem to speak for it. Yeah. (laughs) And that's that's why she loves you. I I guess. Wow. That's a good something, first date, man. Something happened, you know? Yeah. But I, I mean, I wish I could pick more than one, but yeah. You can't. I'm sorry. That's the game. And maybe in 30 years, you'll get, you'll get another. Tight. Okay. Last question here. Oh, these are so fun. I don't want it to end. I never think about this stuff anymore. That's uh, yeah. That's uh, no. I guess I was gonna I was gonna self deprecate and be like, people don't really say they have fun on this show, but that's not true. Uh, that's, that's me. That's me being fucking uh, annoying <laughs> to my own, in my own self, to my own self. Um. So, what's your Mike Timlin? What's your fucking coma, dude? What's a, a moment of transformation where before 
you were one version of yourself and after you're another and could be a split second, could be a year, but you're like that happened. And that was, that was one of my sort of coma moments. That, uh, probably like love like that. Meeting your wife. Yeah. Okay. That, so we're talking, we're still talking about. That's like before and after for sure. So say more about personally for you, what the before and after was like, how did it change you? Um, like the kid stuff where people are like, you wouldn't, you don't know until it happens. And it's like, I can contextualize it. But the thing that they always say is like, you never knew you could love someone like that. Right. That's sort of where I'm at, where it's like, uh, I guess I'd been sort of selfish before. And uh, it's me. It's my life. It's going to go. I'm going to go. I'm not asking you for anything. Don't ask me for anything. And now, I don't know. I would probably do whatever she wanted to. <laughs> you know? It w- Was she... Had you ever told anyone you dated before this that you loved them? Yeah. I, yeah, and I did when I said it, you know? Okay. I had been in uh, relationships. I'd lived with a woman before I met my wife. And do you still, would you go, like, knowing this now, would you go back and say, like, yeah, I did love those people, just not as deeply? Or were you like, mm, that's actually, it, I, I thought it was something it's not. I going back, I think what I've been spewing so far is Mm -hmm. an idea that like love is this like very romantic sort of um, cosmic thing. And to me it is for like in, um, that's like the price of admission. But then where I wasn't before in my life from where I am now is that like very ethereal, you know, cosmic feeling made me make like a real concrete life decision. And that's what I had never done in the past was decide, like regardless of how I feel and my day to day and my feelings go up and down and I have my own life and I have made a decision that like, I got your back. I will choose and you, 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 your life is as real as mine. <laughs> Whereas before there were things I wouldn't give up for people. I'm not moving here. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this. But if, if it's, if I've made a decision that like your happiness is, you know, parallel with mine, it's the same. And you made that after meeting her or after getting married or at a certain point in the relationship? I mean, it's unhealthy, but probably fucking, yeah, probably right there, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, I didn't know that. You never you claimed know, to be healthy. You know, said codependency early yeah, on. I didn't know what those sort of feelings were, but yeah, I think that's what was happening. And that to me is like, uh, it's been illuminating and it's been uh, educating on like, how deep the pool can be. What do you mean? Uh, yeah, you know, like you said before I thought I loved someone <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I, you know, thought I knew what those feelings were about. And now I know that they they can go even deeper. And I suppose that's what people talk about when they have kids, right? It's like, now it's, you know, it's even deeper. <laughs> Do you think that, or or rather, have you you've you've mentioned discovering boundaries in the last couple <laughs> of years? Is that have you had to back off this self sacrifice of like? Did you go too far where you were like, uh, "Hey, I'll do 
I'll do anything. What are we doing? You know, it's, well, it's all I, about you. Luckily, I don't have to do that. I think the feeling's sort of mutual and we're kind of steering it at the same time. So I haven't had to, I don't, I haven't felt like I've, you know, sacrificed myself. Okay. Um, so the, it wasn't like an, it wasn't like a true like codependency. No, no. But the, the decision, you know, to get married and the decision of like, I'm now also alive for you. And how does that affect your like day to day? How you live your life? Day to day? Hardly, I guess. It's pretty chill. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, but like uh, on the big stuff, the big conversations, it's, uh, just try to have, you know, um, an understanding and the patience that I'm like talking to an equal, someone who is as alive as me. And so if they are unhappy here, we will find somewhere where they are happy. So it sounds it's mo- it's like it's mostly about moving for you. <laughs> a relationship well, was either you'd move for the, someone, you wouldn't move for someone. I think uh, because we both kind of feel the same about each other and because we both don't have children, not a lot of challenging things have come up. <laughs> so I don't have any like, I think we're just going to be chill forever. That's kind of the yeah. goal. Yeah. When, yeah. What's our next big fight? Am what I, city I, that we might no, move to is our yeah, next big no, fight going to be about? You know, is there, <laughs> did I answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Things are pretty good. <laughs> That is the show. Thank you so much for listening. If you're able to support the show, $5 or $15 a month, go to patreon.com slash Mar. Spread the word. In those ways I mentioned, subscribe, review, tell a friend. Also, follow Timlin. You can find a link to his Twitter and to his podcast, Work Sucks, I Know, which is a genuinely great podcast. He's got a beautiful voice. Honestly, sexiest dude in podcasting. Lazy, not lazy, tired butcher who has a beautiful, deep voice. I mean, this guy's the sexiest guy. He's the sexiest guy. So listen to the podcast, follow him on Twitter. And until next week, remember, you are a mist. Miracle.